0: We don't know where we're going right now, but we're just kind of just flowing right now. I, I, as I said earlier, I felt like we hit, we hit a vein. I was talking to Dan. It's like we just hit something. We're just kind of flowing right now in this. But, uh, so just a few things. Uh, Carla just came up and uh, said he, he just saw this like wave of salvation. And as we were praying into it, uh, this is what I saw. I feel like it, it is a, I felt like the Lord said there is a, a light wave coming. It's not a wave of water, it's a wave of light that's hitting darkness, that's breaking darkness off and the chains of injustice, just as we were praying, chains are being broken, it's the chains of injustice. It's it's the the veil that is over those that do not know Christ, that it is being removed. It is light that removes the darkness. And so I just wanna, I just feel like we need to speak into this and pray over it. Uh, And then the Lord said this, here's the wave. The wave is right here in in 2 Corinthians 4. It says, let light shine out of darkness. This is the light wave that is going to break darkness. He says, this is the light that shines in our heart. And it's the light that gives us the knowledge. It says, it gives us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So, Lord, I just declare right now, this light wave is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ that is being released as we prophesy life to our bodies, as we prophesy life to the church. Right now we say, church, rise up and be this light wave that is going to break forth across Colorado, across this nation. Lord, it is time for revival, and it starts right here. (laughs) there was another word So on Tuesday as we were praying with Lou Engle and and literally it felt like the ground was shaking I I heard the Lord say this is there's an epicenter right here this place will be an epicenter and already is an epicenter for the shaking and the things that the Lord is going to do and then I just had somebody come up and say I think it was like a week and a half ago or two weeks ago they said uh, the Lord told them that this place was an epicenter For what the lord wanted to do in this region and that that saying that as we like as we drop the scepter in the ground that things begin to explode across colorado that there's a shaking that moves across colorado it is not us it is not our strength it is by the spirit but we have to move we actually step into that that alignment with what the lord wants to do it's not by power it's not by might but it's by the spirit but it, is, it was Zerubbabel holding up that, uh, the plumb line. He's holding it up. It's a simple, small little thing, but it removes the mountains. What are you, O mighty mountain? <laughs> that you would be flattened before the Lord. And so we declare and we decree right now in the name of Jesus that there is a light wave moving across Colorado. Lord, let this be the epicenter right here. And here's the cool part. Because I felt like the Lord said that there is a hiddenness even with, with what is happening here. And uh, the, the epicenter begins underground. It, it doesn't even happen at the surface. It's an underground move, but it is the very place where the shaking starts that then fires across, across this region, across this state. Even as the, the, there was a word earlier of, of these, uh, grassroots to grace fires. That in the place of grassroots, as we set our hearts back on what the Lord desires, on His plans and purposes, that it turns into a grace fire. And if you know what a grass fire does, it, it's, it's like the fastest moving fire, <laughs> it spreads so quickly. So I didn't mean to drop the tone down. <laughs> I feel like we need to go back into it here. Uh, so, Lord, we say yes. We say yes. Oh, we just and this is the other word uh Marlis was just saying uh, she just had a had a vision of, of the, the lord jesus like on a white horse coming riding and picking her up and taking her and i don't remember where exactly they went but <laughs> but then but then jesus like took her off the back of the horse and set her down and said these words suit up and that was the other word of the Lord I just heard of this morning saying, and I was like, I don't know what you want me to do with that, but I feel like this is it, is he said there's a call to arms. Yes! <laughs> so we are suiting up because we're in a battle. Let us never forget that we're in a battle. And, and you do not wanna go into battle without suiting up. You don't go without that call to arms. You say, we're we're arming ourselves, and, but it's, we arm ourselves in a different way. We arm ourselves, it's really, it's the Ephesians 6. I was just feeling like this is the armor of God that we begin to arm ourselves with, that what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up to win the battle. When we wear the armor of God, we win the battle. We go into battle fully, fully prepared. So I feel like I'm just going to read part of this here. Uh, He says, I'll just read it. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles, they are not against flesh and blood, but they are against the, the rulers, they're against the authorities, they're against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a battle that we are in. Do not, do not let the enemy trick you into thinking that we're not in a battle. We're in a battle. I, I, Paul makes it very clear. This is, this is the battle that we fight. So, and if we do not suit up, this is why he says, put on the full armor of God, because we're in this battle. He says, therefore, he says it again right after that. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, which is now, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. And here's how you're gonna do it, with the belt of truth around your waist. We need to know this word. We need to know the word of God. It needs to be the, this is, when the counterfeit comes in, and let me tell you, there's a lot of counterfeit right now. There's a lot of counterfeit to the truth to the gospel that's being preached, uh, we must know the truth. We have to have that belt of truth, that we don't get swayed, we don't get tossed, we don't get turned by the things of this world, by things that are not true, that seem right, that are relevant for today, but they're actually not truth. We have to be grounded in the truth. So we need that belt of truth that we put around us, uh, put around our waist, and then the breastplate of righteousness. This, This all comes back to Jesus. That righteousness is Jesus that we put him on. We clothe ourselves. And that righteousness, it actually, it's a place of humility. That we clothe ourselves with humility. It's the righteousness of God and not of ourselves. Righteousness of ourselves is a place of pride. Righteousness of God is a place of humility. That's the righteousness that we put on. It's the righteousness of Christ that we put on as the breastplate of righteousness. And then our feet are fitted with the readiness, we're ready to roll, (laughs) that comes from the gospel of peace. So we get ready, we're moving out. In addition to all this, we take up the shield. There's a shield. This is the faith that we have. We, are, we operate in a place of faith, not in our, in our own mindset, not in our own intellect. We have to be so careful that we do not reason things out and try to, we don't move by what we see, but we move by faith. And so it's a different position with our eyes on Jesus. It's why I, over and over, I'm like, eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus. What that means is it's the eyes of our heart. Our position is on Jesus. And that's where we can take up the shield of faith. Because guess what's going to happen? <laughs> you find it. Uh, it says, with which you will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one which means he is flinging arrows at us. Don't be lured into thinking, well, we're okay. We can just kind of go out there. No, you need to step under his, that place where we're in alignment with him, where there is a, uh, um, it's an abiding in him. And in that place, it's, it's a Psalm 91. Actually, we're just in it. Sorry, I'm, I'm, now I'm preaching. Uh, But I feel like we we just need this right now. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Here's the shield of faith that we have. You're gonna dwell in the shelter of the Most High. And in that place you will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. What are we saying? There is no other place of refuge. Do not have any other place that you think that you can go, that you think that can create that refuge for, that it's not in our finances, it's not in our successes, it's not in anything else that we have. It is only in the Lord that we have a place of refuge. He has to be that place of trust, the only place of trust so that we have a firm foundation. That's the place of faith that we stand on. And it says, <laughs> So he will be our place of refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then it says, and so surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from deadly pestilence, and he will cover you with feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. It says, his faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. This is why we abide in him. This is why we stay close to him. This is why we trust in him. That shield of faith, I I, I always saw it as like a little shield that like you carry around. I realized, no, what you're doing is you're actually getting behind his shield. He's got a massive shield. It's his armor. It's his protection that we're getting behind. That's where it says his faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. It will be what guards you and what protects you but you will fight the battle. And then just jumping down to verse nine, it says, and I will make the most high your dwelling. I'm sorry, if you make the most high your dwelling. So here it is, that's the place of abiding, even the Lord who is your refuge. Then it says, no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your dwelling. It says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So that's the shield of faith. And then it says, then take up the helmet of salvation. This is that place of what we know, (laughs) it's Christ. He is our salvation. It's the blood of Jesus. It's what we're gonna do here in just a moment. We're gonna take communion. It is only his blood. It is only Jesus. We put on that as our helmet of salvation because otherwise what happens is the enemy attacks and he attacks right here. He tries to get into our mind, but no, we're going to renew our mind through Christ, through the Holy Spirit that would renew our mind, strengthen us, and that would be that helmet of salvation that nothing would be allowed in there that's not of Him. When other thoughts come in, no, there's a helmet of salvation that protects from those thoughts being that, that, that try to come in there and try to take us off course. It's that Romans 12:2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not reason things out with this world. Put on that helmet of salvation. It's that renewing of your mind that transforms us, that sets us in a place where we become one with him, that we know his will, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will, and that we walk fully in his ways. When we have the helmet of salvation on, we know the will of God and we know where we're going. And then the last part, it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God this sword of the spirit, the word of God, that we actually declare the word of the Lord. We have this word But that word is actually the rhema word of God. It's the spoken word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. So we don't just have it here, but we have it, we take it in here, and then we declare it, and we decree it, and it becomes a sword, becomes the sword of the Spirit as we speak the rhema word of God, as as we get to know the word of God, as we, it's that, that we eat the scroll, and it's sweet to our lips, but it's bitter to our stomach, that it would come back out as the word of God, as we, as we use it to, to, to take down strongholds. This is where, that's that 2 Corinthians 10, that actually anything that would raise itself up above the knowledge of God, we make it obedient to Christ. We have the truth right here. We have this word and it says that the true worshipers will worship in spirit, this is the sword, and in truth. And then it says, and pray on all occasions. Pray in the spirit. So, Father, I thank you that there is a call to arms. We are suiting up for the battle. In Jesus' name.
1: Whew.
0: Let's transition. Mm. Let's just wait on the Lord for just a minute. Thank okay. you. Your hands up. I'm just going to pray, and you won't agree with me again. Lord, we're in a season and in a time where it's hard to even see what's happening. Things are moving at such a pace, at an accelerated pace. A lot of times we don't know which way to go, which way to turn. But Lord, I pray that that as we set our hearts upon you, as we set our eyes upon you, Lord, that you would lead us, that you would lead us wherever you desire for us to go, So as our hands are out, I just feel like it's a place of just surrender to Him. That we hold everything loosely. That we hold the plans of tomorrow loosely. That if He wants to change our plans, that we just say, yes, Lord. Whatever your plan is, we want to go that way. And a lot of times the Lord doesn't show us plan a month from now so that we go, okay, I got it for the next month. I can take it. I'll see you in a month, Lord. (laughs) No, he wants us to have that daily manner, that daily bread, that daily walk with him, that daily abiding in him. That's his desire. You realize his plan is that he would be our God, that we would be his children so Lord I thank you that it's in the surrender it's Isaiah in Isaiah 6 he didn't know what the Lord was going to call him to all he heard was who will go for us <laughs> That's right. and without any knowledge of right. what that meant Isaiah says here am I would you send me The Lord says, I will send you. And here's what you're going to do. And then he gives him the plan. Then he begins to show him what he's called to do. Lord, I thank you that we don't say yes because we know the plan that you have for us. We say yes because we know who you are. We trust in you. We put our hope in you. We set our eyes upon you. We know you're a good father. We know that you're going to lead us in the right direction. We know that when we put our faith in you, you're faithful. You're loving. Oh, you're so good. You're so kind. You tenderly watch over your children. There's a tenderly loving care that you have for us as your children. That's why you say, Come to me, all you who are weary. For I am gentle and humble in heart Jesus actually describes the heart of the Father, the heart of Jesus says this is who we are I'm humble I'm gentle come to me I'll give you strength, he says in John 7 he says "If, if you're thirsty come and drink drink of me Believe in me. That word, drink of me, it comes back to believe in me. How do we drink of him? We believe in him. We put our faith in him. Not just on a day where we say, yes, Lord, I'll say the prayer. I'll I'll be a Christian. And then we go back to living our own lives. And that is not what this is. The prayer is actually a moment of surrender, and then for the rest of our lives, we learn how to fully surrender to Him. We learn how to set our eyes on Him. We learn how to come to Him. We learn how to put all of our trust in Him. We get to know Him, and we realize the more and more it's that taste and see that the Lord is good, the more and more that we come to Him, the more and more that we go, Lord, I don't know if I trust You in this. I don't know if I trust with my finances. It's always a big one. Like, yeah, I trust you with things that, that are going all right because it's all fine. But, but Lord, if, if I were to change this with my finances, like that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know, how, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's not that we just throw our money away. No, we just trust the Lord with what he's calling us to do when he calls us to do it. But the more and more we do it, and, and here's the goodness of God is that he doesn't, on day one, when we say, yes, Lord, he doesn't go, well, I don't know, he does whatever he wants to do. But I don't usually see him go, I'm gonna throw you right into the battle. No, what it does, he does is, is he woos us, he, he draws us in, and he says, trust me, take this step over here. And then we go, oh, wow, Lord, you are good. You, you really did take care of this. You took care of me, and... And all I was was obedient to you in this. It didn't make sense. And then, and then we think, okay, I got it. And then he goes, now I want you to take a bigger step over here. And like, oh, God, I don't know. Like, that's a big step. And what's going to happen? And he says, no, no, no. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust me. Have faith in me. And then you, you go, okay, God, I'm going to do it. And you take that step. And then you see his goodness. You taste even more of his goodness. You go, God, you are so faithful. And then he leads us into the bigger things and the bigger things. And before we know it, he's, he's calling us out of the boat into the water. And we're like, ah, I think I can do this. Not because I have any idea how to walk on water, but because I know my Jesus. And if he calls me out, I'm gonna walk on water. And even if I don't, he's gonna pick me up. And he's gonna carry me but I thank you that you're teaching us how to fully surrender our lives to you how to let go of everything that we we think we have control of when really we have control of nothing in this world the only thing that we have control of is the decision of will we follow you the rest of it it could change tomorrow our lives just, it's like dust. (laughs) Where we're we're here today, gone tomorrow. We don't know how long we have to live on this earth, but for the time that we do have, it is for such a time as this. That we will live to the fullest. Lord, I pray that every day, not just Sundays, that we say, yes, Lord, we worship you, We, we praise you, we're gonna go after you. And then we kind of go back into our routine, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And by Saturday, we're like, oh, I guess I got to get back to church. I'm really feeling it. (laughs) Like I'm feeling under attack again. He's like, no, I want you to abide in me. And in the abiding, you come under the shadow of the Almighty. You remain in that shadow. You remain in His faithfulness. He is so faithful. There is none like Him. There's none like Him. Oh God, that we would, we would stop trying to figure things out on our own. Let me ask. I just have my eyes closed here, but I just, just. You don't have to raise your hand because I know the answer. It's more of a, just a facetious, just a question. But I just, have you ever? figured something out on your own without the Lord and, and moved into it and, and it's just worked out amazingly well <laughs> there's a lot of laughter in the room and maybe some of you you're like well yeah I have well get ready because <laughs> it's eventually going to come crumbling down ah, there's an amazing man he might, he might be here today and I'm not trying to call you out because I love you but I, I, but I just, as I got to pray with him uh, just a couple days ago, I just, he was in this place where it was just, like, had all this stuff going, and then all of a sudden, things just kind of crumbled. And it's like, once one thing crumbles, when, when your foundation is not on the Lord and in His ways fully, and we start to build one thing, and then we build another thing, and we build another thing. And what happens is it's like a domino effect. And like the first thing hits, and then it creates like this this domino where all of a sudden everything starts to crumble. Um, I just got this picture. If you've, if you've ever, if, you've, if you're a rock climber um, and you do lead climbing, this is probably for the, like the two people in here. <laughs> but I'll just explain it because I just saw this picture of in lead climbing, you have you have these little tools. You stick into the uh, into the rocks, as you climb higher and higher and higher and higher, uh, but what, ha- what can happen is when one is not set in a firm foundation, when one is not secure it 's called a zipper effect and 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 so you could be lead climbing and, and if you fall and that top one breaks loose, what can happen is the zipper effect. If you know what a zipper's like. And it can just, and everything begins to hit. And all of a sudden, all of your, all of the things that you've been placing in the rocks to, oh, here, I, I got a, this is strong here, this is strong there. All those foundations that you've set that are not in the Lord, they literally begin to happen in a zipper effect, a domino effect, where they pop, 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 pop. And uh, it's never a good ending uh, when, when that happens. There's a fall. Because we've gone so high, but we didn't, we didn't actually have our grounding in the Lord. We had our grounding in other things. So Lord, I ask that we would be so grounded in you. We have to be. In this time, this is where we suit up, we put on the armor. We have to be grounded in you. Because when things begin to shake, it says that you will shake the things that can be shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken those will remain. I want to be grounded in the things that will remain, not in the things that can be shaken. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that are grounded in you and in you alone. It is Christ. It is Christ alone. Let me just speak to this real quick. All right. You can hold me to it. We're going to take communion in 10 minutes. (laughs) Oh, are you, is this, this isn't where we were going today, but this is, this is where the Lord wanted us to go today. Um, I'm just going to speak just quickly to this. The Lord has just put this on my heart. I feel like part of this grounding is that we understand what the, what the body of Christ is. And even as we're gonna take communion in just a couple minutes here, uh, that there's a, there's a greater understanding. First, the blood of Jesus is what actually allows us to be part of the body of Christ. Without his blood, if we do not receive his blood, It's the very thing that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It sets us in a place where we become one with him. But then then that body of Christ, um, how am I gonna do this Lord? Now I got nine minutes. Uh, In John six, Jesus talks about this to the point where it's one of his strongest messages. Um, It's not the message that you wanna preach, if you want to have a church because at the end of this message everybody left except for 12 people and uh, but it was that he starts off by saying that, that there's the bread of life and that you need to receive the bread of life and then he goes kinda to the next step and he goes by the way I'm the bread of life and, and then they kinda like they question him on some things and, and then he takes it to another level and he goes you actually have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. <laughs> and if you do not do that, you will have no life in you. And that's the one that just took them over the top. Where, where they said it was, it was too hard of a message to follow. And many left. When, they, when you say many, it was like 95%. I mean, there were, there were literally 12 left. And Jesus goes to the 12. He goes, are you going to leave too? And, uh, and I love Peter. He goes, where are we going to go? <laughs> We've been following you. We've laid it all down. We've got nothing. And by the way, you have the words of eternal life. So what was beautiful is, is I, I know Peter's going, Jesus, I have no idea what you're talking about. And this really doesn't make sense but you have the words of eternal life. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna put my faith in you. He did. And they followed him. The 11, (laughs) 11 of the 12 followed him. That Jesus, it it goes on in in 1 Corinthians, it talks about, it says that, that we actually are the body of Christ. So Jesus is the body that he gave his life for us so that then we could become the body of Christ. And when, as we become the body of Christ, in Ephesians it says, like, I'll just read it, it says, uh, Ephesians one, right at the end, it says this, it says, and God placed all things under the feet of Jesus. And he appointed Jesus, I love this, the Father actually appointed Jesus to be the head over everything. God the Father said, Jesus, as my son, I'm making you the head over everything. Because of what you've done, because you have given your life as a perfect sacrifice, as the only sacrifice, as the one that entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven and laid his blood down on the mercy seat. Only, he was the only one that could do it the Lamb of God. And so he did this. The Father appoints him head over everything. It says everything for the church which is his body. So I love this as his body was laid down for us, he then calls us the body of Christ. And then he says in in John, he says, and now a new command I give you. First off, it was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and then love others as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He actually changed the command. Only Jesus could do it. Only God can change God's command. And he goes, a new command I give you. Now, you're gonna love others as I have loved you. And just as I laid my life down for you as the body of Christ, you're gonna become my body. And now you're gonna lay your lives down for one another as the body of Christ. You're gonna do the very thing that I did for you. And you're gonna say, I'm surrendering my life. I'm laying it down that we would be one. And this is the point, is it's in that laying down. It's in the oneness. It's in the it's in the unity in, of the spirit. And by the way, when It's only by the Spirit that we become one. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Unity outside the Spirit uh, will take you in a number of different directions. Uh, That's what Tozer says when he talks about, he says, you can't tune 100 pianos to each other, but you can tune them to one fork. The Holy Spirit is that fork. He's the one that aligns us into that place of oneness. And it's the words of Jesus in John 17. It's the prayer that he prays. And I know you've heard it, but listen to it again. Because this is the very prayer that he has for us. And here's, yeah, how am I doing? Five minutes. Come on, we got this. Uh, You and me, Jesus, here we go. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also that those... Who will believe in me through their message that so that's us right we're the ones who are going to believe in Jesus through the message so he's praying for us right now that all of us all of them may be one father and so, this is Jesus praying going father that they may be one just as you are in me and I am in you May they, may we, be one. I'm sorry, may we also be in Christ. I'm trying to reword this thing. I'll just read it. May they also be in us, (laughs) that the world may know uh, or may believe that you have sent me. This is what I want you to see, is this oneness that he calls the church to. It says that they may believe That you have sent me are? how is the world gonna believe that Christ was sent when we actually become one when there's a oneness with the body of Christ and and I felt like the Lord was just revealing this in a new way that in the past it's kind of been like well it's my personal relationship with Jesus and I want to say no it's not it actually requires oneness with the body of Christ it's it is imperative it's not an option it's actually the new command that he gives us that's what being the body of christ is that's the oneness that he's calling us into and in ephesians 4 as he talks about so he talks about the body of christ it's like you're a part of the body uh, i've seen it like this i know the analogy in if you look at first uh, corinthians 12 and in romans 12 it talks about the body of christ like how can the how can the hand say to the eye, I have no need of you? Uh, just to kind of shift it a little bit, I was seeing it kind of like a like a car. And here's what's happened is uh, there's so many denominations in the world right now. There's so many splits in theology and how we believe that it's actually divided the body of Christ. It's We've done the very opposite thing. We have 40, right now, 45,000 denominations, Christian denominations in the world today and when you calculate it out, rough math it's about, it means that we divide, we've divided about every two weeks since Jesus was on this earth every two weeks another division every two weeks another division I know it didn't happen linearly but but, uh, but we have done the very opposite thing of what God has called us to that we would be one and here's what we become one around. And this is the problem is, is the church, like they divide over things that are not central. Jesus, or Paul says this. Um, In 1 Corinthians, these words are so good. can't see. Uh, he says this. This is Paul, Apostle Paul, studying in Egeria. Like this guy is, is like the, he's the guy. He knows he he could boast about so many things, and he says this: For I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except this: Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Can we set a foundation? in the church around that. Some may believe in tongues. Some may believe in healing. Some may, that, like, okay, those are all good things. But do those determine whether we are children of God? Do those determine whether we go to heaven or hell? We may miss it on a lot of other things. And trust me, we do not have it all figured out. We don't have this figured out. We are not the church that has it all right and everybody else is wrong. That's what it's like. It's kind of the mindset of the church and it's a place of pride. But out of the place of humility, the place that he calls us to, that we would actually put each other first above our differences. I may may say, no, I know that Jesus heals. I, I know that there's tongues that are for today. I know that the gifts of the spirit are for right now. Great but I don't shove it in the face of anyone and actually divide over it because I'm of the same spirit as as they are. If they believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and is the Son of God and they put their faith in Him and, and, and we believe in the blood, like, we're one. So why would we divide? What are we dividing over? We're dividing over things that that do not make a difference in the end. When we're all in heaven together, we're not gonna be arguing whether we pray in the spirit or not, whether we pray in tongues or not, whether there's healing or not. We're not gonna be arguing over these things. So I feel like there's there's a oneness that he's calling his church to. And I I wanted to get to this point here. In uh, Ephesians 4, it says this. Um, It talks about like the, the fivefold ministry of the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers and the, uh, the apostles and, and, and how they're used to do this. It says to prepare God's people for works of service. And it says so that the body may be built up until we reach the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ our maturity is not in all the other things Our maturity is in oneness based on one thing Christ and him crucified That's where we actually gain maturity It says this when we do that when we come into that place where it's about him and him alone and it's, I look at it, it's Christ and Him crucified, even with, like, as we're gonna take communion, it's the body, Christ, and Him crucified, the blood. Can we center around that? Can that be the very thing that grounds us as the body of Christ? And then out of that, that we can love and come together with every other person, regardless of denomination. I just pray the Lord just shuts down denominations. And and I understand, like, it, this is where I feel like as we have denominations, I don't, I don't wanna curse denominations because look at it as parts of the body. The problem is, as we go, we don't need them. The Methodists, we don't need them. The Baptists, we don't need them. Like, we, we got it figured out. No, we need the body of Christ. We need every part of it. Every part is beautiful and only together. Only together are we one. And, and, and then it says in Ephesians that we're being built up as a dwelling place for the Lord. Like, if you, if you leave out all the Baptists, it's like 110, what is it? 110 million, I think, in the world. That's a huge part of this building that God is building up so that he can have a dwelling place. We've got a massive hole. So we cannot... We, we can't decide who's like, who we're going to be uh, kind of in the body of Christ with and who we're not. The only thing we can divide over is anything outside of that, Christ and Him crucified. Outside of that, yeah, you can divide because it's not the same spirit. But in that, we have to remain one together. And so as we, we're going to take communion right now, I've got so much more, but you'll hear it another day. There's so much more. I just, I would ask you just to, to just begin to press into this at a deeper level. Uh, oh, let me just—I was going to just use this analogy, just with cars. I was like, I feel like what's happened is, it's like you got this group over here, and and they really love the 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 accelerator, and they're like, man, it is all about the accelerator. And so we've got these cars over here that they are so good at accelerating and gaining speed. But what's happened is they forgot the brake. And so, man, you got cars crashing. Like, and then over here, you got these cars. And this is another denomination. And they're like, man, it is all about the brake. And, uh, and that's great. The problem is, is they're not moving. They're just like hitting their brake. <laughs> and, and neither of them is right until you put them together and you go, oh, now we got the accelerator, which we need, and we have the brake. But the church, what it's done is it said, no, I'm in this camp, I'm over here, I'm with the accelerators. Or no, I'm over here with the brakes, man. And uh, I'm like, even in in our own life, I was thinking of this with Christy and I. I'm like, I feel like I'm the safer one. I'm the brake in our family. You go, what? No, I really am. I'm the one like, oh, hey, be careful. Don't do this. Right, kids? <laughs> like, hey, that could, you could really get hurt. Don't do this. And Christy's the accelerator. She's like, ah, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> go do it. I'm like, no, you can't. But here's what I love is we need each other. We need the accelerator. We need the brake. I keep the kids from, like, breaking their necks, and Christy keeps them, like, going. <laughs> so So we do this together, and there's, This is the beauty of what the Lord did is he actually purposely gave us a grace that we only know in part. We only have a part. Because if he says, well, I'm going to give this group, I'm going to give it all to them, then they got to figure it out. They're like, we don't need the rest of you. We got the whole car figured out. We can do this. But no, what the Lord actually wants is the body of Christ to come together. So he's like, no, you're going to have to work with these people over. You may not agree with them. You may think, yeah, that accelerator's awesome and you don't need a break." But trust me, you need the break. <laughs> and over here, they're like, no, you really do need the accelerator. You got to move. <laughs> You're not doing anything. You're just hitting a break and not moving. But together, there's such a beauty in the body of Christ. Amen? Okay, let's stop there. So, Lord, we're going to take communion now. Uh, I'm going to read... 1 Corinthians 11. Because if this is the part, this is what all connects to. We're good. That clock's fast anyway. (laughs) Set the clock back, will you? (laughs) No, we're in communion now. I'm out of that. I want to read this part. This is the Lord's Supper, and it's in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17. He says this. In the following directive, (laughs) this is Paul, and uh, he's talking to the church. He goes, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than they do good. In the first place, I've heard that when you come together as a church, there's divisions among you. This has to grieve the heart of the Lord. And so, He's going into communion here, but he's starting it with, oh, there's divisions among you. He says, when you actually gather together, it's be more hurtful than, than good. So, yeah. Uh, he says, uh, there's divisions among you, and to some extent, I, I believe it. This is what he's heard. He's like, to some extent, I believe that. No doubt. These, uh, anyway, I'll skip down. We're gonna move faster, sorry. Um. So he's talking about the division in the church. And then he's saying, look, even when you go and take communion, he's like, you're not really taking communion. You're just, you're going and you're coming together, uh, and then you're just eating. You're going ahead of other people. You're not putting others first. Uh, He's like, look, do that at home. If you're going to go eat, drink, do whatever, like, do that at home. It says, when you come, you're going to come in a different position. When you come together, uh," he says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What I have to say to you, or um, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. So that was the reprimand. And then he says this, For I receive from the Lord what I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, that he took the bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he says, this is my body, which is for you. Do it in remembrance of me. And that says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said this, this cup, it's the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For... Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then he goes on to say this. Therefore, whoever eats bread, the bread, and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, they will be guilty of sinning against the the body and the blood of the Lord. For you ought to examine yourself before you eat the bread and before you drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of Christ, the body of the Lord, actually eats and drinks judgment on (laughs) himself. Now, I don't want everyone just to go, well, I'm not taking communion. (laughs) Like, hey, we can take communion. Everyone just sits here and like, I'm not taking it. (laughs) This, The point isn't to, to be in fear over this, but the point is that I believe what he's talking about here is that there is something that we, we need to actually come into this place of recognizing the body of the Lord. And and if there's there's places, it's, it says in Matthew, it talks about, like when you go to pray and you have something against your brother or your brother has something against you, like stop, go, make things right, and then come back. And, and I believe even as we're, what we're doing is we're, we're saying, Lord, what is it that we need to do to make things right with the body of Christ? Who is it that maybe we have anger against or hatred against or that we've even just kind of created a division with someone else that is a believer that's, uh, that's in the body of Christ? And, and so I, I believe that this is what it's referring to. It goes on to say this. It says, um, that is why many among you are weak and sick And a number of you have actually fallen asleep, which that's the nice version of you've died. Uh, (laughs) It says, but if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. And this is that place of where we actually set our heart before the Lord and allow allow him to show us those areas of our heart that are wrong and that we don't just jump in and say, okay, I'm just doing the body and the blood of Jesus. There is power in this it is amazing and it's actually the center of of our walk with Jesus it's all about the body and the blood and then it says this it says but if we judged ourselves we would not come under judgment and when we were judged by the Lord we were being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world and I love it that sometimes the Lord will actually kind of judge us in these times. I look at it more as coaching. It's kind of like, come on. You're doing it wrong. You need to shift over this way. And, and it's, a, it's a good thing. We don't go, oh, no, I'm being judged. No. It's, he says he disciplines his children. So I, I'm like, I always go, Lord, discipline me. Show me. Teach me those ways. Even just this, what I just... Spoke to you guys about has has gripped my heart. Because I know that I, I haven't handled that well in the past. I've spoken against those that are part of the body of Christ and, and said, Yeah, they don't they don't know what they're doing or they're off based on this. And I'm like, but they they love Jesus. They do believe in Christ and Him crucified. So who am I to judge someone else that's in the body of Christ? I'm to love them. That's what I'm commanded to do, is love them. So it just convicted my heart. So I'm like, Lord, I don't, I'm so sorry that I would be one that would actually help in in creating this division when you call us to oneness, when you cry out for it, when you called for it, right before you went to the cross. It was your your prayer. So Lord, I pray that as as we take communion today, But I pray for the conviction of our heart that we would come into oneness with you, that we would come into oneness with the body of Christ, that we would love the body of Christ, that we would love them, that we wouldn't look at our differences, but that we would say, in in a bad way, but that we would say, oh, well, your differences, there's something you have that I don't have. There's a grace that you have that I don't have. We need each other. How can the hand say to the eye, I have no need of you? We need each other. And in that, there's a fullness of Christ. It's the beauty of what he has. We're never meant to be the brides of Christ. We're meant to be the bride of Christ. One bride coming together as one. So Lord, I just, for about one minute here, but I pray that we would just be silent for a minute, just between you and the Lord, If there's any place in your heart, just open it to the Lord. Allow him to have access. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, ask him to replace it with his love. It only comes from his love. It's only by the spirit that we come into unity. It's not something that we can force. We don't tune pianos to each other. We tune them to one fork. So just between you and the Lord right now, examine your heart. Let the Lord examine your heart. There may be just a place of just repenting before him right now. It says if you come into that place of repentance, his blood is so good. It purifies us from all unrighteousness. But there's that acknowledging, there's that coming to him, there's that opening our, rending our heart before the Lord. So, Lord, I pray right now that you, by your spirit, would reveal in each of our hearts areas where we have, we have actually caused division in the church, division in your body. Lord, I thank you that you're going to, it may be things that we need to go and, and reconcile, but I pray that we wouldn't wait to do that, that as we leave this place that we would call, and whatever we need to do, reconcile. And it doesn't matter how they respond, how people respond, it's a heart response to the Lord. He's looking for that heart response. If you can't get a hold of people, if there's no way that you can connect with them, just that you would ask for that forgiveness and ask the Lord to tenderize your heart, that there'd be no bitterness, no unforgiveness, no offense that you've taken on. You've been offended by someone in the church. Shut them off, you're dead to me. No, (laughs) we cannot do that. We must come together as one. So Lord, I ask right now, reveal that. Just spend this moment I believe there's gonna be just a freedom in our lives I believe even just as we've been praying for healing I felt like the Lord was saying I'm gonna heal in that place of, of forgiveness that it actually it opens up like just healing in those areas unforgiveness is such a deadly thing ah, that offense can be so deadly to ourselves And here's the thing, not only do you need others, but they need you. You are so valuable in the body of Christ. Don't think for a moment that you're you're not valuable. Don't make that a prideful thing of like, look at me, I'm great, no, no, no. But there is is a value that you have that goes beyond anything that you can understand in the body of Christ. That you're a piece, you're, you're a building block of that temple that is being built up, of that place that is being built up. That it, and, and this goes back way beyond this generation. I was hearing somebody say this the other day. Of, like, we're, we're part of the same building block as like, as Paul and as Peter and James. Like, we're, we're part of that same temple that's being built up that is gonna be a dwelling place for the Lord. We get to be part of, We're like, we're with them in this. That it's from generation to generation. There's one body of Christ. It goes way beyond just one generation. So I just, I'm like so excited to see. It's hard to even comprehend. It's hard to like fathom what the Lord is, how this actually works out and how the Lord does this. But we are a dwelling place for the Lord, His body. So we're going to take communion now. Ah, we've got elements up here and elements in the back. And uh, I just encourage you, just, just as you take communion, recognize not only that Jesus, like that body is the body of Christ, as, as his body, but it's the body of Christ. And as you're taking it, you're taking in the body of Christ. But there's a deeper love that He's, the Lord's going to give us for this greater body that goes beyond just the rock, it's, it's the body of Christ that we would love. And then that cup, that it is the grace of God. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That We don't take one sip of it and say we're good. No, we drink of it all the time. We drink of his blood. It's the very thing that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So, Lord, I just thank you that we get to take the body and the blood. In Jesus' name, let's take it. The body and the blood going to have my son close us in prayer here as we go from this place. So, Lord, right now, I just thank you that we would continue to love each other as a body, that we'd continue to just pray for each other and that we'd become uh, closer in unity and in the love of God, that, Lord, you would be the one that draws closer, that it wouldn't be other things, but that you'd be what our focus is on and what our, what our attention is on, Lord, that as we focus on you, that we would come attuned to you and that we'd all join together as a body in one Lord and I thank you that you just bless everyone here today in Jesus name amen